Hello, and welcome to Chad's ADHD 365 podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Takeda, better health, brighter future. Hi, welcome to this episode of ADHD 365. My name is Sarah Bowser, and I'm the adult and educator training manager for Chad. Today, we're talking with financial planner David DeWitt. Uh, David, could you start off with telling us a little bit about yourself? Yes, sure. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a financial planner who also has ADHD. And so I've decided about a year and a half ago to dedicate my whole entire life career to helping other people with ADHD with their money. And so needless to say, I've learned a lot since I've made that decision and have, well, I do have a lot to share and I'm looking forward to it. I've been a financial planner for six years and feel like I felt found my calling helping people with ADHD. So all is good and I'm excited for this interview. Great. Can we start with an explanation of what is the relationship between money and mental health? Yeah, I think money and mental health is pretty much inextricably linked because if you have financial difficulties, that's going to really contribute to a lot of stress and anxiety in your life. And also, if you have stress and anxiety, that can cause a lot of financial difficulties. So we don't don't always know which one causes which, but when you get into this sort of situation, it can be a, a vicious cycle where you have financial difficulties, causes anxiety and stress. The anxiety and stress makes it harder to be productive at work and make more money. And then that causes more financial difficulties. And so you're just stuck in this routine and that can be a really uh, painful place to be. And so I think I saw a stat that from the Mental Health Policy Institute, where 46% of people that have debt also have a mental health diagnosis. So that stat alone shows you something. What are the key reasons why people with ADHD struggle with money management? I think... I mean, I'm obviously not a mental health practitioner. I don't know the scientific answers, but we know that it's ADHD is executive function issues. And so just like our executive function issues like planning and organization and impulse control and emotional regulation hurts other parts of our lives, it also just has a direct impact on money. So I think that really is those things really do contribute to issues. And the stats for ADHD and money carved out from the rest of the population are also very telling. Like some of them are, this was a survey of 506 people from YouGov um, that was done not that long ago in 2022, I believe. People with ADHD twice as likely to suffer from anxiety. We're 58% of us spending impulsively, struggling to budget and struggling to save money are the biggest issues that they face. Three times more likely to struggle with debt compared to the general population. And this list goes on. Four times more likely to impulse spend often compared to those who do not have it. It's, and these are impulse spending is impulse control. Saving money requires a lot of organization to budget and to make sure you know how much is coming in and coming out. It's really hard to manage all these things when it's just when it's hard enough just to get up and get to your job on time. It's just adding a lot of things to manage in your life. And that's really, I would say, kind of sums it up. Definitely. Are there ways to un- overcome these reasons? There are. And I actually wanted to just back up one second and say that beyond the executive function issues that make money hard, there's also people with ADHD who have no problem managing money. And so they're interesting case studies. So other things that are relevant to everybody is are things like how you were brought up. If you have ADHD and even your parents have ADHD, but you observed your parents having great financial habits and they taught you about money and everything was transparent and you learned to value from an early age like the intangible things that money can give you like freedom and security... 
then you're really set up for success. So it's not just that everyone with ADHD sucks with money. That's not true. There's also cultural things. There's so many different factors that go into it. So I just wanted to throw that out there too. And your question about ways to overcome it. Yeah, I mean, there are. The thing is though that there's no magic bullet. There's no cheat. There's no hack to do this. The way to give yourself a good chance of this is you really have to spend a lot of time. You have to set aside time, however you need to reflect on your actual life and your relationship with money and how money has impacted you negatively or positively. But a lot of times it'll be negative. And thinking about how it's hurt you and think about what would change if you had an abundance of money. How would you... If you can really connect intrinsically to that, it really does help. So that's a starting point. But then there's a lot more you have to do. You have to come up with goals. You have to think of your future self. Okay, you're in this place now, but in five years, think about what future Dave wants. In 10 years, what does future Dave want? What does he want to wake up and see around him? Does he want a family? Does he want to have security and peace of mind, a better job, all these things? And so once you have that vision, the harder part then is to, okay, what are the steps to get there? So you have to back down and say, what obstacles are in my way from having that? A lot of times it'll be dead, no emergency funds. So those can be your starting goals kind of thing. But you have to do all of this work. There's no other way around it. And then you have to, and this is a tr- trigger word for a lot of us, but you have to budget. Budgeting is hard. And one of the biggest things I hear from like my clients in their attempts to budget is it was that, that it, they spent so much time setting up the budget, making it perfect, having all these categories and having everything figured out that by the time it was time to actually do the budgeting, the stimulation or the fun of setting up the budget had passed and they're just, they just don't do it. And so... You don't want to make it too complicated. It's actually can be very simple. And one of the things I have to teach people a lot is that budgeting is not simply opening up a Mint account, linking your accounts, and then tracking spending. What you actually have to do, because life changes and every month things change and you spend different amounts on different things, what you actually have to do is just have a calendar invite. And if you have a, a spouse or a girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever it is, sit down at the beginning of the month and think about what are the things that we're doing this month? What are we doing that's going to, we're going to be spending money on? And then you go into your budgeting app or whatever you use, and you just you actually change the, your budget amounts every single month based on what you're expecting that month. And that way, you're intentionally envisioning the month ahead of you, and you're setting yourself up to be in your day-to-day life, just make better decisions because you've actually sat down and looked at the month ahead. So you can't just go back and at the end of the month say, let's look where we spent money. Because if you do that, you're always going to see that you spent too much. Budgeting is proactive and intentional. And if you just sit down and do it, it's okay. And then, like for instance, I do this a lot, but I, I kind of have to practice what I preach best I can. But um, like if I notice that I'm going to be going over on my food budget for the month, I just simply raise the budget for the food, and then I just look at my other p- categories and I just decrease it and find a place I can pull back so I can just try and stay within my boundaries. And I know it sounds hard, but there's no other way around it. You have to become very aware of what's coming in, what's coming out. There's just if you don't have that awareness. You're just going to be swimming in the chaos that it so often is. Yeah, absolutely. Are there differences in how men and women with ADHD struggle with money management? So I was thinking about this question. And to be honest with you, I couldn't really think of any obvious like ADHD-fueled reasons in my practice. But I do think that there are just general differences. And a lot of it, I think, has to do with traditionally how men and women have traditionally had different roles in families. So traditionally, men are, have been like the breadwinner or the person who manages the money. Just you know, And so a lot of... Unfortunately, a lot of girls are still brought up not with not as much 
training, so to speak, from parents on this. So what I do find a lot is women who have been recently widowed or recently divorced don't know what to do. They feel lost. They don't know how to start. They don't. They just don't know how to manage money as well. And so I think part of it is the cultural or the sort of traditional thing. But I think this is obviously a thing that's changing in society. But I mean, that change is slow. And of course, and there's it still exists. So that's like the biggest thing I could think of. Other just interesting things is girls are much, women are much more holistic thinkers. They're much more concerned about the money's, you know, money's ability to support family and to be able to create wellness. And, you know, men are just typically a little bit more, let's go, let's get this done. I need to get out of this debt, just more like matter of fact. Or I think the women are more, I kind of like working with women more. Uh, I shouldn't say that, but um, they're just more thoughtful and, yeah, it sounds really mean against my own gender, but uh, yeah, it's the truth. What types of tools or services are best to help adults who have ADHD with managing money? Yes, there's lots of different things. For one, there's, of course, like budgeting apps. If you're a technology person, you like apps, you can use apps. There's apps like Mint. YNAB is a really popular one. Although user, fair warning, that one's a little complicated, but once you get it, it's really effective. So there's apps like that. And then there's financial coaches as well. And I think coaching is what a lot of, is what the doctor orders, so to speak, for a lot of people with ADHD and a lot of people who reach out to me. So coaches are going to be the ones that help you get organized, help you come up with your values and help you actually make the structure and help you stay accountable for a period of time. It's much more intensive than what I do, for instance, which is planning where they'll meet with you every single week and you're just going to get accountability and you're going to learn everything you need to know about managing your money and your goals and all of that. And then there's financial planners like me. I certainly am as close to a coach as a financial planner will ever be. But you'll meet with a planner less often, but they're going to help you build wealth. So like my whole mission in my life is to help someone with ADHD who has got all the potential in the world, but hasn't figured out how to bring it all together and get the plan, make the plan and help them build wealth one step at a time. So that's a planner is going to be a long-term partner. A coach will be more of a three to six month sort of project where it's like, you know, you're going to get a lot of real hard-hitting help. But then the planner would be where you would graduate to, where you're now ready to invest, you're ready to like really get out of the debt and have someone hold your hand through the whole process over the long term. Beyond that, there's groups out there, you know, there's coaching groups that are that are more affordable than real coaching. Like a good place to check out is renify.com. He does really that's Rick Webster. He does really good stuff. And if you have a spouse, use them, help have them help you stay accountable, friends, accountability partners. Yeah, that's what I got. Okay. And that actually leads into my next question, which is how can a romantic partner or family member be a supportive in a respectful way? This is tricky because there are there are times because usually, unfortunately, the, if you have a couple and one is ADHD and one is not, oftentimes what can happen is the it almost turns into this parent-child sort of dynamic where the person without ADHD is gets frustrated with the spending habits and they're not being aligned with what they want to do. And so there can be some control things that come up and some like almost verging on financial abuse. And it's, it's never really intentional, but it just it can go there. So what you really want to be able to do is acknowledge like the differences that you have. If you're feeling that way, open up to your spouse. And ultimately, what you just really need to do is do the best you possibly can to come up with unified goals. So if you have a unit if you have unified goals that you both really want to achieve as a couple or as a family, then it's much easier to stay on track. And so having those budgeting meetings 
where you're being open and honest about what you're going to be spending on that month. And so that's a good thing to do. Giving each other, each person having a certain amount of money that's like free money to spend that no questions can be asked is a healthy thing. So each person feels like they have some autonomy to enjoy things for themselves without feeling like they're having to be worried about what their partner is going to say about their spending. So communication, but definitely be wary of the control and manipulation issues that can come up. And again, usually not intentional, but it's just the nature of I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of someone without ADHD and feel for them that it could be stressful, I imagine, dealing with someone who's having a hard time getting their impulses together. How can partners or family members identify the role each person plays in money management and what is a shared responsibility? Yeah, so I think this is similar to the last question, but the structure of the cash flow of the family is important. So the way that money comes into the house, how is it shared between the spouse and you know, how is make sure that there's an actual structure that's agreed upon where the flow of money makes sense, everyone thinks it's fair and have boundaries set up. One person is going to usually be the person who's running the show, so let that happen. Just make sure that everyone is aware of the different boundaries. And basically, there's a lot of interesting research around if one person in a relationship is like the frugal one and one person is not frugal, it can be very challenging because you have someone who's really focusing on trying to save money at every turn. Like, you know, and then it can be very challenging then to then have your partner be not the opposite and just a free spender. So if that's the case, then you really want to make sure you spend a lot of time working on this so that you can set your relationship up for success because it can be... Money is the primary reason for divorces. It just is. It's just... It is such an issue. So don't fact check me on that, but I'm pretty sure it's probably the number one cause. Okay. Uh, So our last question is, people with ADHD may have lower incomes due to symptoms that affect employment and education levels. Are there ways that they can compensate for this to become more financially secure? Yeah, this is a hard question because if ADHD is affecting your ability to uh, earn and you have less income because of your ADHD, then the way to sort of help solve the ADHD problem is to spend more money on more support. And so it's like a, it's an issue because all the support that we need costs so much money. Like we need a nutritionist, we need a financial planner, we need this and that. So it's gets into it gets to a tricky it gets tricky to be honest with you. So you have to just know thyself and know that you're likely to experience lower income and just accept it and then accept that you're going to have to keep your fixed expenses low. So when you want to get your first home, make sure you're getting a home that's going to be not make you house poor. So if you don't get all the promotions in the world, you'll still be able to afford to live your life a little bit. So em- do your best to embrace frugality. Frugality is an interesting word. A lot of people have a negative view of the word frugality. But if you go to dictionary.com and look it up, it simply means being economical with your resources. In other words, it means don't be wasteful. So if you can really embrace... And then that's not a bad thing. So if you can really embrace that and keep your fixed expenses low, then you give yourself a chance to be able to still save for your future and also enjoy your life. So don't get the big house. Don't get the nicest car. I mean, that's that's honestly the best I can come up with to this question. Side hustles, of course. I mean, people's brains are their biggest asset. I can't tell you how many times I've helped someone uncover some skill that they could easily be side hustling or freelancing with because they have this skill. And that if you're struggling in the corporate world because your boss and expectations and all that, and you're not going to make it very far in that world, then 
being a freelancer means you get to do your own thing on your own schedule. You get to, you're in control. It's much easier to sort of mentally handle the load. And so I really encourage people to develop some skills that are needed. I tell people just go to fiverr.com, which is a website for, what do you call it? The gig economy website. And just look at all the categories and look at all the things that people are posting jobs for and and realize that like, if you can just help someone post their social media things a few times a week, then like you can make some extra money. So find ways to make extra money, just get creative. So that's what I'll say. Great, thank you so much. This podcast was sponsored by Takeda, better health, brighter future. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chad's ADHD 365 podcast.